Hello, I'm Katie, and this is That Grief Relief Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, this is a very light-hearted, open-hearted conversation about grief. There is no right or wrong way to deal with grief. Now, whilst I might be at a certain stage of my grief process, my guests might be at another stage of their grief process, you might be at a completely different stage of your grief, or you might not have experienced grief at all. I'm not here to offend, I'm here to hopefully put a smile on your face, whether you're going through something right now or not. Welcome to episode five of That Grief Relief Podcast, and this week, I have a guest that is not a member of my own family. <laughs> um, welcome, Nicole Majdalani. Did Thank I say that you, right? You did. But actually, you're properly known as at Nicole on, on Trend. Trend. Yeah, yeah. Who? So, who is Nicole on Trend? I've written a bio. Okay. Oh which gosh. is personal shopper, stylist, Instagram babe. Yeah, international star. <laughs> <laughs> I'll redo the bio, shall I? Yeah, just redo it. Personal shopper, stylist, Instagram babe. What do you say? International star? An international global star. (laughs) After this podcast, obviously. Well, that's the plan. Do you know, right? So because I knew you were coming in today... I put on a different t-shirt. Yeah, I noticed. That's quite on trend, actually. It is on trend, isn't it? 80s revival. The shoulder pads. Yes. And I've worn two rings. Two. So now we just need to add eight more. Yeah. I have seen your um, candy. It's insane. So Nicole and I were introduced via a mutual friend, Sarah Headley-Heimers, and... We had a very wild dinner, didn't we? Yeah. Which is really nice. And then we got chatting, we got chatting about the podcast, and I can normally gauge someone's kind of openness to discuss grief. And then you touched on Tanya, your sister. Yeah. Um, who you've lost. So here we are, gonna have a chat. Our yeah. light-hearted, open-hearted chats. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm gonna just listen to the story I don't know the ins and outs of Tanya's story we've only sort of touched on it so I'll ask some questions if you don't want to answer anything feel free tell me to shut up leave don't leave no I will leave because we haven't eaten our cupcakes yet no I'm not leaving without my cupcakes (laughs) hang on you can't bring cupcakes and then take them oops Oops. Right. Um, Nicole, tell me about Tanya, your sister. Okay, tell me her so story. Tanya is my elder sister. So we're one of three girls. Okay. And Tanya was five years older than me. And we, as a family, were quite estranged. So my parents are were and are Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. So as a young girl, um, we were all very close. And then they joined the religion when I think I was about 13. Okay. Your parents, sorry, joined the, the religion. The parents right. joined. And then I think my sister Tanya was 18 at the time and I was uh, 12 or mm. 13. And my middle sister Fiona was uh, a couple of, in the middle of us too. And one by one, we all left home. So Tanya left first, Fiona left quite quickly. And then when I was 17, I left. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, I think all five of us just the family just really separated Mm. and it was in the days without mobiles and without you know social media I mean literally my parents used to telegram me I mean that's that's no way I I actually moved to Spain as a young girl and um they would tell her yeah send me a telegram there and I went with my middle sister Fiona we moved there so I so Tanya and I you know over the years would pop in pop into each other's lives but I don't think you know we were super close because okay. of the dynamics of our family. Okay. It's just the way it was. 
it did put a huge wedge into the family and it still it still is there now really so um so when i heard that tanya was ill it was through her her husband um who um we also don't have a very good relationship him with our family either um so when i first heard i was so shocked i didn't really know what to think and if anything was a bit skeptical as to what was happening oh really Mm. and my sister lived in switzerland Mm -hmm. and i then was i think it was in london it was during the summer or spring and how long ago was this, sorry? So this is 2015. Okay. <laughs> so I've been living in Dubai now 15 years. So then, what, 10 years or something. So mm. I, I was, f- for whatever reason, in London when I got the news that she was seriously ill. Mm. So I, and my uh, my middle sister had seen her. So I spoke to Fiona and she said, yes, she was very ill and everything. And I'm not really that in touch with Fiona either. I think, as I said, we've all just gone our separate mm, ways. Mm. As some families, sadly, it happens. Yeah, of course. So, um... Once Fiona had uh, sort of backed it up, I said, okay, so anyway, I went off to Switzerland and I had no idea of the extent of what, how serious it was for Tanya and how ill she was. What, what was she ill with? So she had uh, colon cancer oh, and God. she was only 48. So I didn't know anything about anything by that, about that. But I then now realize if you're young, if you're diagnosed with colon cancer very young, it's very aggressive. Mm. Um, so... I got there and she looked a hundred, honestly. Really? And Tanya was very, she was very beautiful. She mm. was very, very skinny, very long hair, very blonde hair. And she, you know, she was, half her hair had gone gray. So, and her children, her children were then only 15 and 19 oh, yeah. or something. Mm. And I hadn't seen them for a few years because I was in Dubai. They used to live in Dubai actually at one stage. So I used to see them quite a bit when they all lived. Of the, all of the Tanya, family. her husband okay. and the kids lived in Dubai. Oh, okay. So I saw them a bit during those years, but then when they moved back to Switzerland, I didn't, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't see a lot of them. So the kids were, were big. Right. Um, but I just didn't know. I, I got there and I saw how ill she was and I kind of landed into a situation where it was really... I, uh, relying on me to look after her because my parents weren't really around mm. and my other sister Fiona was unable to really cope with it I think mm. some people just don't know what to do don't know what to do and, and, and of course I'm the worst person for anything hospital I'm the most squeamish person oh, as well no. <laughs> I can't see blood um, you know I'm a real wet with anything like that even my kids I'd have to brave myself to put a plaster on I'm, <laughs> I'm shockingly bad so um, I stayed there a few days and I started to go to the hospital with her for a free visit. She was having, I think the chemo was still going on then and she also was having radiofrequency to mm. shrink the tumours. Mm. She had so many, the tumours had spread everywhere. Mm. So she told me that she was given two years So okay. those over those first few days. But they were looking to all these treatments, um, which didn't really sound you know to me like you know it, it, it kind of sounded like it wasn't gonna end well I'm okay. sorry just, yeah I just didn't you know it was it was everywhere it was in her spine the, and then um one uh night Shania was w- started wailing away she was screaming and I came out of my bedroom and anyway she was in so much pain the tumor was in her leg one of the tumors was in her leg mm. And I just remember at 3 a.m. we were going down to the hospital um, 
And all I could, and then Tanya suddenly sort of went really quiet. They dosed her up with quite a lot of pain relief, which yeah. was great. But I just remember thinking to myself, like, I'm just going to have to be so brave through this because you don't want them to see how uh, upset and stressed you are. Mm. And I just remember thinking, like, this is the biggest test for me I've ever had because mm. it's the kind of thing I'd probably leg it from if, yeah. I, if I could, yeah. to be honest, because... But you can't, you no. know, she's your sister and, you know, there's no one there at the time. And her her husband, who was great throughout, was exhausted. I bet. And the kids were exhausted because, they were, you know, it, it, it was at the end. Now, I didn't realise any of this. And I still, at the time, didn't know how close we were to the end. Right. So she stayed in hospital a few nights and then she came back to the house and I was supposed to fly off and I didn't. I stayed there for a bit longer. I just felt I couldn't leave her. Um, but I was still thinking, you know, we've got we've got some months here. Mm. You know, I even though she took that turn, she <clears throat> took that. But she'd had these turns, according to her husband. Right. And you know, it you get the and then they give you go in and they give you, I don't know what it is. I don't know what they pump her with. Morphine, probably. Morphine and vitamins and stuff. Mm. And then you know, we get home within a day she's washing she's mopping the floor and she's cooking right sounds ideal (laughs) yeah so i'm 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 like okay so tanya's looking a bit better meanwhile my sons i've got one in dubai left in dubai my husband was working and he's traveling in this region um my mother-in-law was supervising him but my other two boys were at boarding school but they come out a weekend and i just had to go and organize the kids yeah of course and um in the meantime and so Tanya was like yeah yeah it's fine it's fine so I do all that and then I come back I get back to Switzerland and Tanya seemed to be okay she'd had a couple of uh, relapses I'd gone to the hospital with her and at one stage we went to the clinic or the hospital whatever it was Mm. and they had called us in and they said to me and Tanya and her husband um we we, we can't treat you anymore because um uh for I I, do you want to carry on with treatment? Because she she felt terrible. Oh, I see. But if this isn't going anywhere, basically, it's, I advise you to stop the treatment and live night and happily rather than so being... palliative care. Yeah, because yeah, she was so sick yeah, with it all yeah. and, and everything. And so, and he's, and, and so Tanya said, how long have I got? And he said, now he was Swiss. So I don't know how I heard, we all heard two weeks. But when you hear the two weeks, you're like, he didn't just say two weeks, did he? In your head. And you think your sister sat there and her children are at home. You know, how am I going to... So when we left the room, her husband and I were spending that day covering up what he had just said. And and because she was... I think they give you uppers uppers and stuff yeah 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 i think she was quite numb and i was gonna say had she taken it on board she had but she hadn't and then we spent the next however long saying to her you know we're doing this you basically no and you know you look fine and everything and then i started to think she'll be he didn't i i almost heard what i wanted to hear which wasn't two weeks no i called my husband and i said this is what's happened i can't leave her but she's looking fine and he goes, oh, my God. So I stayed again a bit. But the problem was is that my husband's father um, 
was having his 70th in Greece. Mm. And it sounds a bit like, well, so what? But my kids were flying from London. They were in Lebanon. We were in Dubai. It had honestly been planned for, for a long, long time. I and I have to be honest and say I needed the break because mm. we were, it was so uh, difficult being with my sister and the whole situation. It was all on me. My parents weren't around. That was another story. Anyway, um, so I said to Tanya, look, I'm going to go to Greece um, and I'm going to be, it was a five day trip. Okay. I might not even stay the five days because his birthday, I think, was two days in. I'm going to go and do this and this. I want to see the boys because all the family members had the boys. And at that time, I remember the boys had chicken pox. Okay. And then they weren't allowed to fly because they were on Emirates. And I, like, it was, it was a big load of drama with the other members of my family. And I just remember thinking, okay, let me go sort all this out. Anyway, I get, I go to Greece and I speak to my sister's husband and he says, she's in, like, it's gone very bad. You need, you know, I said, I'm on my way. Okay. So I said, I said to my husband, Michael, I said, can you come with me? And the boy, I want you all with me, you know. So we all go to um, Switzerland. Switzerland. How long had you been in Greece before you got the call? Three or four days. Okay. And we were in... Where were we? You said I don't even remember. We were on the we were in a holiday resort somewhere, but you had to fly to Athens. Right, yeah. So we flew to Athens and our connecting flight to Geneva or Zurich, I don't even remember, um, wasn't till the next morning. Mm. So I'm in Athens, yeah. And he calls and she's passed. No way. So I was just like I was so gutted, I can't tell you. Anyway, we can't, we get to Switzerland and, you know, what can I say? I mean, but, you know, to be honest though, looking back, when I took the decision to leave, I, I guess I knew deep down what could happen. Of course. And Tanya, over the two days that we were booking our flights and flying into Athens and all the rest of it, she was so unbelievably out of it. And it was a very, sorry end or what, like upsetting. Mm. Uh, at the time, I was so upset that I wasn't there, but half of me was happy that I didn't see it. Yeah. And so I left Tanya, they're kissing me at the door, and she was standing up in a robe, and she was cleaning, and she went off to carry on doing the lunch, which was only about six days earlier, mm. seven days earlier. Mm. So in a way, I'm glad that my last memories weren't of her, who apparently was walking around dazed on the balcony at three, like out mm, of it, mm. wailing away in bed for a few, you know, I'm just glad that. Yeah, and that's quite quite common um, through the other episodes as well that, that we've spoken about because it's it's having that memory then almost emblazoned in your mind, whereas yeah. you had her, as you say, I had her, kissing you on the doorstep. It wasn't great, the yeah, memory course, I have, yeah. but to be honest, that period, I look, I don't think of, I, you, I think, you know, we're all different. My, my brain is a blur with mm, it. Mm. And um, I have different memories. I mean, to be honest, the run up to that was also very, very tough. I don't know if I would have, how I would have coped with those last three days. I mean, the run up of the two or three weeks where we did walks and she started to swell. But I didn't mm. know what that meant then. Now I know. Mm. And obviously when I'm asking everyone, you know, what's going on, they're saying, well, that's, you start to swell before you, the, I didn't know that. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. You can swell at the end. Actually, when, I don't know why I'm saying that. I mean, I remember my dad swelling. Your ankles thought, swell. I thought that was due to kind of his medication. Yeah, my dad was very sort of big in the face. Yeah, you, 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 I don't know. Just like a different person. Yeah, she did too. Mm. And she honestly looked 100 and her hair went white in the end and... Um, I I just 
you know, this, uh, she would say to me, my ankles are swelling. Mm. And I kept saying, no, they're not. And I told, we were all going with no. Mm-mm-mm. Because I didn't want her to know that what we were dealing. And then I, I, I just remember ringing my friends who were amazing at the time, saying, tell me what to say to her. Because oh, really? I couldn't find the words. I mean, I'm not very religious. She's not that religious. And there was no I needed to find things to say and they did they were sending me loads of stuff to comfort her basically yes. or reassure her or uh, things to talk about about okay. because we had had and sadly I mean it was a real bit a real bad ending I mean we had had a big blowout with the family as well so I needed conversation to have with her that didn't involve our immediate family that could take her mind off it that you know would make her not focus on the treatment mm. or or her parents mm. that would just ease everything and because my girlfriends i'd had for so long they knew our family they knew the history and they were all just sending texts of this and and it was great because i couldn't nice. think straight no i'm not surprised i honestly i was just so like and i was in a strange place oh my gosh it was the most it was the hottest summer on record <laughs> You know, there's no AC in Europe. No, I know, it's so weird, So I'd, it? I'd go off to these coffee shops for a break. And I was thinking, where's the AC? Like, I lived in Dubai and it was cooler in yeah. Dubai. I just need to have a coffee and a chill. And it was, yeah. And not positive. And it's funny because, you know, when when you the UK has a heat wave and, of course, all, all British expats in Dubai are like, oh, you don't Whatever. know what it's like. Yeah. But I, I went, I stayed... My friend Sarah Robbins, we stayed at her house and she lives in a, a, a flat in um, near Putney. And uh, it was so hot. We had all the windows open. It wasn't doing anything. And then we put like, we had a fan on the windowsill. We were sleeping at different ends of the bed. Yeah, because just there's no circulation. There's nothing. Also, it's a direct heat in Europe. So the sun seems closer yeah, to you. You burn and there's no, I don't know. It's a dry heat here. Mm. So I go, I fry that. I know, I just remember thinking, really? Anything else you yeah. want to pile on? No, I'm not surprised. I wanted to touch on, you were saying about your parents. Now, your parents then, did were they aware that Tanya was so ill? So they were aware, they were not speaking at the time. I told them what was happening. One of the trips I had come back to London to see the kids in the boarding school. And so I they went to see her and that didn't end well, that that you know i you know there's not it's not they went to see her poorly they went to see her when she was sick yeah and it didn't end well no and i think you know so that you know i don't say because it's only my version of course so i don't know i know what tanya told me and Mm. i know what my parents have told me Mm. so it's not for me to say Mm -hmm. but whatever the result it meant that they ended up not finalizing it at the end what i do know uh, what I'll say that my parents have said since that they didn't realise she was at the end I find that hard to believe because we were all told by all the hospital but but maybe they blocked it off as well you know maybe because I mean I left not knowing that that two week thing as well so mm-hmm. I, you know maybe maybe they did just not want to hear it but she was very ill when they went mm. and she was actually in hospital when they went do you know how that's affected them since you've clearly spoken since she's passed well i didn't speak to them till very recently so you're oh, talking right. five years oh, wow. i was so i i thought there was nowhere to go from it um and we are i don't know if we'll i don't know where we are on it because the relationship was broken before mm. and it would you know so that really was just mm, 
Okay. Yeah. So I don't know where I think, and and I, you know, to talk about the grief, I think there's different types of grief. Of so I think I grieved my parents who are still alive in my twenties, when when I left home. Yeah. So that's now I realise why I was so angry in my twenties and why I was such a crazy creature. And I think you know, looking back, I was so um, traumatized by 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 what happened with my parents. Yeah. And it's not like anything. It's just that you know, I think you, your parents are so key in court aren't they of course and so even though they it was it was the i mean i don't want to say they may as well have been dead but the main well i didn't see them no at all yeah yeah i got married without them no, you know really. so i'm very very close to my husband's parents that and that's that's a, a, such an important thing because yeah. you always hear that the in-laws you know, all no, the in-laws the outlaws yeah they're um, not yeah, they're i amazing. love them to death my my father-in-law gave me away oh and uh, we're super, super close. And I, I feel like, you know, life gives you this thing where you lose one, but I can't have better in-laws. So I feel, you know, like, well, there you go. Yeah, it, it just you're very lucky. I'm lucky to have that. Some people don't have either sides, right? No, of course. Well, we're talking to my sister-in-law because my sister-in-law only has her mum and then my brother doesn't have either parent, so she's got nothing. Um, so but I'm fascinated by this relationship with your parents and, and what you just said about grieving them. Yeah. How, and as you said, this was before social media and WhatsApp and text yeah, yeah. message and things None like of that. It. When was the first time you then kind of spoke? Well, they would always get in touch with my sisters. Because oh. I refused to speak to them when I left. I'm the strongest one. Yeah. I'm, I'm the youngest. That's interesting. You're the youngest, yeah. And I'm like, when it's no, it's no, I was done. When I left, I was done. Because I also watched how it worked out for my sisters and it never did. Right. So I was kind of done. I didn't want to get them. And so they would kind of go through the girls to speak to me. And then I would see my sisters bounce three years in with them, three years out with them. Blah, 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 and I just didn't want it. And I was so, st- I needed to, to build my walls to keep myself mm, mm without getting hurt because I'd grieved them really and I'd gone through so much that I was just like you know I need to just protect myself Mm. and as hard as it was I found it easier not to be in touch with them than to be in touch with them although now I realize how much a repercussion that had emotionally at the time I thought I was fine yeah because when you're 20 you're like I'm fine yeah I don't know you just get on with it don't you you do but then what I mean obviously now as you say not regardless of your husband your husband's parents but you're okay now do you believe do you have you I'm completely fine. I have no issues. I think I had issues in my 20s. Michael, my husband, has been a great um, therapist. So I haven't gone to therapy. Um, I'm I'm also one of those like... Does he charge? (laughs) He's very good, actually. He probably should have gone. He's very um, scientific. Okay. He's very rational. He's... And I think because... Oh, one of those people. Yeah, well, I know one of the... Well, he... I think coming from loving parents who are unconditional Mm. has given him such a solid foundation Mm. that, you know, he's passed that on. Look, he has issues, huh? (laughs) No, he does. Oh, he's no angel. He's no angel. Because he's... He can... You know, I can be quite positive, so I'm a very positive person. So, um, no, Michael's good. And I think, you know, just having his parents guide us when we had our children and be there through... You know, you need a safety net in life sometimes. And, you know, we've always had that. And mm. I can't imagine not having that. Yeah. I don't know how it would have worked out if I hadn't have married someone that stable. Because, mm. I mean, everyone else before that was a bit chaotic. It was a bit chaotic. But then that's probably because I you was were chaotic. in that state as well. A little bit. Yeah, and that, <laughs> trying to trying to match that. Did your parents, 
when you felt pregnant with oh he's just turned 18 hasn't he so max is 18 he's giving 19 a couple of weeks all right okay so oh that's right because you've got two that are really close so they're both 18 now yeah that's so funny and they're not they're not twins no that's so funny so when max or when you found out you were pregnant with max did you reach out to your parents did you no no interest but my father showed up at the door when max was about two weeks old three weeks old he came around to our house in london really like i literally opened the door actually i didn't open the door my husband opened the door because i was in my pajamas for a year anyway i was (laughs) i don't know how i see all these women now they're all up and about how is it possible i was floored having a child i found it it was it was as if no one else had ever given birth I didn't go to any classes stupidly. I was like, I know I'll be fine. Yeah, of course. No. It's nature. It's na- everyone has a baby, right? Yeah. I popped it. Oh my God. Like, you know, he breathed. I was like, oh, is he all right? <laughs> Perfect, like nightmare. I was just that parent. You probably that, still do that now and he's nearly a 19. Bit, yeah. A bit with the boys. It was as if, you know, the most precious things on the, on the planet. So Michael opened the door and he came upstairs and he said, your father's at the door. So I just rolled my eyes and everything. But I'd softened That was surreal, a bit, wasn't it? A, very. And I opened the door and I think, I mean, you know, I welcomed him in because, you know, he had just had my son and everything. And he came. And then they were in our lives for a bit. How long is a bit? Uh, I remember he was there through, Mor- they were there for Morgan's birth 11, right. a year later, 11 months later. And then it went down the Swanee soon after that, maybe another year later after that. That's a very English expression for those who are listening. Went down, down the, the pan. It went down the pan. <laughs> no it did. Way. And I, I, you know, you see now. But your mum, sorry, was nowhere to be seen. My mum was on the scene, but she sent my dad in. Really? She sent my dad into battle first. Are you? Would you say you were closer to one than the other? My father, yeah. Okay. I think, you know, look, to be fair, it's all very well saying this now. I think my mum, we know, had a terrible childhood. Okay. And I think she's, you know, they're in the 40s. Different, like, was it, what did they have, like 20 kids then? I know, she's like eight children. Yeah. And the Second World War. Yeah, the, you know, it was all a <laughs> show for her. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can edit that, it's fine. Oh, that's so nice. You did so well. It was a, it was a bit of drama. You were twenty five minutes in. I'm so pleased. I think that's with probably you. the longest I've ever gone without swearing. It's twenty five minutes. I'm so proud of you. So anyway, so she had her, honestly. I look at my mom now, and I, I you know I'm l- just about softening to the fact that she has issues. Okay. But until then, I've had no um, uh, sympathy. No sympathy. None. Really. No, because having children made it worse. Mm. Because mm. my boys are everything. I just can't. Anyway. So, but now, no, I feel. But no, but, but touching on that, I think that's very interesting what you're saying because there are there are people that sometimes think, okay, well, you know, your mum and your dad are the most important people yeah, a lot in of your people life. say but, that, yeah. And, I, I, and whilst I get that, of course, if there are little tiffs, then that's one thing. Yeah. But sometimes it's healthy to not have these key people in your life. And that sounds crazy considering the love you feel for your boys. Yeah. But I think it has to, I think the biggest thing is that it has to be unconditional with parenting. Mm. So my boys have done some quite big gaffes already and I'm sure they're coming some more. But at the end of the day, you know, Michael's parents has taught me that throughout them, within reason, you know, it's unconditional love. Yeah. And, you know, I, would, I can't really imagine too much the boys getting up to where Michael and I wouldn't be there to hold their hands through it even if we disagree with their marriage choice or their lifestyle choices Mm. you know that's not my job to judge and to to make decisions for them it's for me to support if they need Mm. and I think that's where it's gone wrong and you know I made so many excuses thinking I must have been so wild and a pain and you know now looking back, actually no not really pretty normal and um 
religion in their case broke it their beliefs are so strong yeah. that it's their way or the highway and in my case it was the highway how did they get involved they knocked on our door literally blimmin hell they knocked on our door at 13 the guy knocked on our door we had um jehovah's witnesses come to our house on christmas day so if you're not if you're not too averse with jehovah's witnesses they don't celebrate christmas um, or birthdays or birthdays or believe in many other things we won't go into that because yeah. uh, i still know i i know some jehovah's witnesses now um but i remember we had a phone call we were from a really close-knit community and we had a phone call from our next door neighbor saying there are jehovah's witnesses knocking door to door don't open the door <laughs> well my dad hit the uh, as my dad yes. would say i hit the bloody roof yeah because he was like how dare they he said i've got no issues with anyone's yeah, belief but just stop don't on bring christmas it. day yeah. yeah that's a bit much yeah so I remember them walking down the drive. The audacity drive. of it. It was so funny. My dad leant out the door and he went, hello, I wish you well, but it's Christmas. You're going to yeah. have to leave. You know, yeah. And they kind of just went, oh, thanks very much. And off they but went. But it was a bit of a cheek. I mean, we I was made to do it whilst I lived at home. Then I would end up knocking on school friends' doors and the shame, yes. And, you know, my, I'd have a my, min, minor heart attack and the whole thing and just the shame of it for me. That is fascinating. And I was just such an odd, like child at school because we weren't allowed to go to assemblies no. oh. so like it was the Jehovah's it was Witnesses and the Jews were not in the reset it was just the the, the Christians because I was in a Christian school okay. and um, just you just felt odd from day one I was fine until we were 13 and I think luckily I had that foundation where my parents were pretty rock and roll up until then you know we were the life and soul of our street and our part you know we're, they were very outgoing parents where are you from where, where did you well we up? grew up there in northward so okay. my parents were, we lived in london and then they, they moved to the then suburbs northward was yeah yeah now it's not at all but then you know it was a very quiet street and but you were 13 then fiona was older did fiona, so fiona was 15 a- but they they under the roof you had to join if you're living in the house you joined and you had to do what we do as you were told so makeup was removed and you know the whole all our lives just went upside down and tanya was 18 fiona was 15 or 16 and i would have been 13 so tanya left and moved in with a boyfriend that's a bit odd isn't it maybe it's a jovas witness <laughs> oh my god Oh yeah. Okay. So under the ro- so, so under un- the roof. Yeah, you were you you had to, had to so be. you had to go three meetings a week. You had to knock on the doors for a certain amount of hours per month, and you're not allowed to see any of your friends. They have to be Jehovah's Witnesses. So your your whole world just goes boom. Uh, boyfriends are out. You have to be chaperoned if you're. So you're allowed to associate with Jehovah's Witnesses, but if girls and boys are only allowed to be together with older people. So 18 plus or married couples can come out with us to that. Okay. So it was all very, um, what's the word? Uh, it was all very controlled. So Tanya left and moved in with her boyfriend at the time. I think she was 18. Fiona followed suit a couple of years later and moved in with Tanya. And then she, and Tanya, um, you know, I think made choices that she maybe wouldn't have made and Fiona mm. if this all hadn't have happened I'm sure that's and a bizarre change in very formative years for all three of yeah, you yeah it was and particularly from you know and I would have said we were quite close fun family before that I mean I don't remember all the bust ups until all this happened mm. so it was a real and so now um 
in my early 40s. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nudge, I, nudge, wink, wink. Um, I am. I have zero hope of it being reconciled. Yeah. So I always thought it would be reconciled. Always. I always mm. thought, no, no, no. Hang no. on to that hope. I, well, yeah, I just thought it has to be, right? Like, mm. I'm one of, it's all going to just source resolve itself and it isn't they are not going to change their stance and i need and i've accepted now that no you know the best we can hope for is polite chit chat about polite convo but yeah. when you've got such fundamental beliefs on either side you can't the conversations are limited yeah i'm, I'm not surprised what about your boys and Fiona has so, children. So Fiona's children. children as well. Do they have any relationship with their grandparents? No. None of them. None of the grandchildren. No, they've come in and out of their lives, but no, I think it's broken. Mm. Same with mine. Mm. My children would be able to do whatever they wanted. They are fully aware of everything up to up to speed. They have seen my parents recently right. and they will always be able to make their own choice. And yeah. I think that's really <laughs> important for them. Yeah. Um, they are extremely close to Michael's parents. They've been a consistent in their lives. And, you know, I think it would have to be such a huge change from our mm. side to change. Because the, they're not silly kids. I mean, but I know that they do they did ask and miss my parents because my parents were around quite a bit at the younger years of the boarding school oh, in one right. of the phases where they were in our life so they did ask for a while but then they watched all of the tanya's death and funeral they heard it all and they were older then they were then 15 my kids were then as yeah well, so older. they were then they, they made, made their, their own, own decisions up. it make... wasn't as if you were pointing them in a certain no, direction i would never do that either and if they wanted to have a relationship with they them, still can yeah that's that's no issue. let me see how that works out for you oh, it no. didn't work out that well for me <laughs> i'd love it if you said that as well kind of did i want to speak to nana and granddad just... grand, granddad granddad see you later <laughs> Let's let, let me know how that works out for you. I'll be very interested. Maybe they'll get it right this time. Gosh. Well, I, you, you never you'd know. Love to think you like exactly like you said. You always cling on to that hope, don't yeah, you? But no, as you I say, do. early forties, and it's now. It's now you're not fast. No, I'm no, I'm not fast. Although I do enjoy the quietness of not having them around because it's too. It is up. They are your parents in the day, and they can upset you like no one else. Of course, even though you are removed and attached, but because it's hurtful mm. to be keep the cycle of you know i haven't changed my view you haven't like and the letdowns the letdowns will always be hurtful mm, mm, mm. and and more so than as you say than from anybody else they they from can love you else, the most they, and hurt you the most yeah they can even though i am uh, I'm, when they're not in my life I, I function i don't even think about it i've accepted it a long time ago mm. so i don't like the popping in and out of my life because it disrupts me yeah because then you suddenly think well could could are they changed no no they haven't actually. yeah still the and then michael's counseling rate probably goes sky high <laughs> I think he's exhausted his avenues of <laughs> what he? to say next. I bet he doesn't want your mum and dad back yeah. in his life because he's Do like, you, I don't know where I'm going with you this. You know, though, you say that Michael and his parents, I don't know about now his parents, but certainly all the time have always said, give it a go, like back to it, like always. Long live the Magdalanis, by the way. I know. They sound incredible. No, they're very, you know. When am I getting the invite for dinner? Yeah. Well, hopefully they're coming. Let's see with now with everything that's going on. They might be coming from Beirut. I, mean, they I was going to say they're in Lebanon, right? They are. They're in London and Lebanon, but they've been in Lebanon a long time this year because of, of what's happened. Yeah. They might come here now. Let's see with health and travel. I kind of 
scared as well that they get yeah. anything you know with all what's happening yeah because so. we don't want anything to happen to the Magellanis yeah. I've decided I think and it would be such a devast- I can't even imagine if anything happened with devastation because we are all clinging to them so me the boys my husband I mean mm. they are they are like the Patriarch yeah, of the family. Yeah, the matriarch so, of the family. Matriarch, yeah. So no pressure. Any, yeah. No pressure for them. But um but but Tanya was one of of a succession over those months of fifteen and sixteen of losses that we had. So Tanya was one. Okay. So after So Ta- when was she? Tanya what was month? in July. July of twenty fifteen. Uh, yes. Okay. And whilst that was all happening, I w- we were very close to our next door neighbours in Surrey, where we lived in Hazelmere okay. for a couple of I mean, literally, our, our kids would go in their cat flap <laughs> and nick chocolate. And Margaret would ring me and say, Nicole, the boys are in our house. Just to let you know, they're going through the Malteser cupboard. Not it would be hilarious. So we were very close to Alan and Margaret in, okay. in Hazelmere. And Margaret got very ill. Now, again, I didn't realise how ill because I was in Switzerland dealing with my sister and Alan didn't want to tell me. But anyway, all this to say, I get back from Switzerland and I think I'd been in London a couple of days and... I Alan phoned and sort of said that Margaret wasn't wasn't doing great and did anything. I said, Alan, I really want to come down and see her. You know, how's next week or something? I can't remember what I said. He goes, Well, it'd probably be good if you came right down. <gasps> so I said, Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm Lorna. This is my mother-in-law. Right. I'm saying, well, you know, you're gonna have to come because I I I was a wreck. I'd literally just got back. She goes, Yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'll come with you. And um, see, now I think I took the boys as well. You see how your brain is? Mm. You bl- I blur her a lot out. Mm. I'm pretty sure I took Max and Morgan with me. Mm-hmm. Or oh, did I? Did we go on our own? No, I think I did take them. Anyway, we, we, we go. Um, and Margaret's on the sofa, all quiet, obviously at death's door. Really? And With, um, with what? Not cancer She again. had pancreatic cancer. Which I now know Mm. has no symptoms and you go really fast, right? So um, she's on the safe and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. So again, now I I felt almost okay with what to say because I'd had quite a lot of practice the last few few weeks in Switzerland. And you were closer to Margaret than you were to Tanya, I was. I was, but it was different. I was very close to Margaret, but it's, when it's your sister, you see, like we were just saying with our parents, mm. it's a, I don't know, because you've got that children's uh, brain when you grew up. And mm. so there was a lot of history, even though I hadn't seen her very much the last 10 years or so, certainly as children, mm. you know, I have a lot of memories of Tanya. But anyway, yeah, so anyway, um, there was quite a lot of tears. I think, I, you know, she, Margaret was crying and my mother-in-law was crying and uh, Anyway, get a call at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever, and she'd passed. The next day? Yeah, at midnight or something. She'd passed within six hours of my visit. And I remember feeling she waited for you, and I was so happy that I got to say goodbye to her. And I said, yes, she waited for you. So Alan was also a GP. So Alan was my boy's GP when we were down in Hazelmere. And we're still friends now. I mean, I haven't seen him for a while with all this pandemic, but... Um, I'm hoping to see him when it's get easy. They would come to Dubai because they had friends in Australia. So Alan mm. and Margaret would fly and stay with us in Dubai. So they were because I think as well when we go back to our, my parents, you have you end up having surrogate people in your life. So they were like you know certainly not mum and dad, but maybe a good fun auntie and uncle next yeah. door because yeah. they were still quite young. Yeah. Um, and you know I have other people in my life who are my parents' age who I'm very very close to and I think you mm. substitute mm. that don't you when you haven't you got it anyway yeah. so that was Margaret and that was 
But I was so happy that I was able to see her. And she was so opposite to Tanya because she was calm. She wasn't in any pain. Tanya died in agony, which is... That's heart-wrenching. Very, very traumatic. Mm. Um, Not at the end, she was on morphine, I guess. Mm. But in the run-up, it was very traumatic. Whereas Margaret was on um, Panadols and... You know, it was and a how old was she, Margaret? Margaret, I think, was sixty-three or something. Not, not, not you know, old, quite no. no, quite young, and very healthy, very mm. fit. We'd all walk. We our houses backed backed onto a forest in Hazelmere, the, mm. the, and we'd all walk our dogs there, and very fit and very healthy until. And she went within three months, because I got an email when he said and he told me what had happened, and I think I was in Switzerland, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, like I'll see you when I'm back, and thinking, yeah, well, you know, not. I didn't think much of it. No. And then hmm. it is a strange one as well because you've touched on when you went to Greece and things like that. Because I, I had um, memories come up on Facebook the other day of when I went to the Seychelles or the Seychelles. I always pronounce it the wrong way, apparently. And, and I saw these pictures come up, and then I and it was 2012, and I was like, that was the year that my dad was died. So he was ill in the July. We'd gone home for all the operations and bits and pieces. And I'd gone on a holiday for a week I in think, the Seychelles. But yeah. he was fine. But that's what happened to me. And she very lucky that two months later, you know, he lasted another two months. But I, I, was, I saw it and I was like, who did I think I was going on holiday? I know, but- you see, and I think that, look, I mean, afterwards I was, I was half guilty, half relieved that I wasn't there. And I think yeah. that's it. And I do remember talking to my GP when I got back. We had a fabulous GP in Dubai who's not here anymore. He's left. And I told him what, what the dilemma was. And he was like, you know, he didn't say you've got to do you because he wouldn't have said that. I don't know what his words were, but it made it, He what he did say that I remember was, don't do either and be re- regret it. Okay. You know, so I, I knew that it was a possibility, mm. but I actually really didn't think, to be honest, in a few days that she would go. But I, I needed to be with my family. Yeah. It was so tragic the whole thing was so hard mm. um and i was you know i'd had a, what, a few weeks of it and i just i thought i'd see her when i got back no. if i'm honest Do you, does that ever play on your mind no still not you, i don't come, you, it. You've, yeah you've taken no. your, that closure no and... i don't i think when that's what i said when i took that decision in the gp's office i'm quite like that when mm. i I, when I take my decision, I take you know I, I, I take it with the options of what could happen. Mm-hmm. So no, it was, it was I was I gutted. Yeah, of was course. in 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 um, Athens when we got the news. I remember where we were standing. I remember the square we were in. We were all like, oh no, mm. like I would have preferred to have been there, but I took the decision knowing I guess I wouldn't be. Mm. You you touched on you said that you, was there more bad things that happened after yes. Margaret because you said there was yes. a series and I <laughs> was so after Margaret there was there was two very very close people and it sounds awful because I'm actually trying to struggle who was first but and that's the reason as, as I said I think I've just had a mental block I'm not surprised because really, I good. think it was just too much yeah. and I was grieving my sister and then Margaret and then I think it was my friend's son first oh, so no. this one was uh floored me it floored us all really it was um actually i think it was after basically my grandmother passed away and i was extremely close with all of the <sighs> nightmare with my parents i was very close to my nan right so that was a big blow i think i 
think she was first. I'm sorry. Was that and was was grandmother old age? Yes, she was fine. She was 92, good wow. age. So that's you know. Come on, we're British. We've got to say it. Good innings. It was good. I was good. <laughs> I did. I thought that might be rude to say, but it was really good innings. Good innings. <laughs> but, it, but I think I even said that. Yeah. Um, she wasn't happy at the end. She was in a home, and my grandmother was like me she'd be on a bus till she you know the week before she, she was very active yeah. very essentially lived in central london she worked as um um at the, at the last few years of her life she sold papers from the news agent just to do something brilliant so she'd get up at 6 a.m just to do the paper she knew all the village she just that was my nan brilliant. and so to be i think it was a couple of years in the home when i visited her regularly when i flew back to london and she'd mistake me for my mum and she would think Michael was her son and right. the whole thing went wrong and I didn't know what dementia was then either so I'm quite mm. thick really I don't know anything about anything you're not I was like, thick I'd say to the nurses I think she's got dementia and they're like, oh, she's, right. she's confused no looking back at the end she's obviously lost her marbles a bit mm. and I know how fast she was very angry at the end she, she swore oh my goodness I bet she she could not have been more unhappy mm. in that home mm. so I almost felt a bit relieved for her when she was out of it because that wasn't her. No. She was like a caged animal. Yeah. So my nan went, that's why I'm a bit confused as to which one, because they went very close together. But I just remember my friend's son being one of the hardest things for us all. When we went to the funeral in London, and in the run-up, I was saying to her, you know, I'll do the speech, and I will... You know, I was putting my hand up for a left and right thinking I've, I'm a toughie now you know I've been through this yeah, yeah. last few things this is and honestly I was a, a wreck at the funeral I, w- I I think I sobbed from the morning of throughout useless like mm. pathetic really honestly I felt ashamed for I shouldn't have I couldn't I, I couldn't control how upset I was why you've meant you just said the word ashamed why do you think because of because I felt like she they were able to hold it together a little bit throughout Mm. and I was supposed to be the one giving the speeches and everything I was just continually sobbing and but you're allowed to no I know but I just I wanted to just hold it together for her for them them. and our children my son's friends so her her elder Mm. son his school was there Mm. and you know it was us parents need to just be a bit stiff up a lip but mm. I, I was flawed mm. and I, I got we went to the um is it awake you know, yeah yeah which I always find a bit strange because why pe- I couldn't <clears throat> understand the social side of it because I just wanted to go and I was so upset I lasted 10 minutes I went and I you know I slept for about two or three days I couldn't I just slept it off I mm. was just so unable to take any more on I'm not surprised was there I mean this is gonna sound perhaps a difficult question for you because you'd had so much grief in that in that time but what was your grief relief you know how did you kind of I was thinking I mean, how about did you start that to before... deal with Tanya let alone with everything else that came shortly after I I well with Tanya when I got back to Dubai I I was in a mall here and I, I actually saw a dog and I put it oddly he was in it's literally that doggy in the window uh, it's not there anymore that pet shop but it was in a car park okay I don't know if you know that one and he was in the window and I'd had dogs previously and I bought him Manny and he chi- oh Manny yeah. yeah I bought Manny and he he took I don't know he was my stress reliever like he'd sit with me and you know and when things really hit the fan for me the first thing I do is I remove alcohol 
Okay. So I stopped, I didn't drink or anything. And I just, I started doing yoga and Pilates, which is something I not, I don't do. Okay. And You don't um, seem the type. No, I'm not the type. I'm too, fu- <laughs> I'm too fidgety. Oh, so there's no way I can sit still, but I help, you know. And I remember going to these classes and starting weeping, you know, when you, you're on the mat mm-hmm. for, the, what do they call it? The... Warrior, the, downward dog. No, oh, they, the Ashangra, the sun salutation no, thing. No, at the end you have your something time. Can you and tell that we're not we're no, not yogis? I'll think of it in a minute. But like, oh, it'd be your and it'd be the whole thing I'd look forward to because you're basically lying on the floor. I've actually got an Aspire yoga Insp- bottle. Okay, so that's where I used to go. Inspire, sorry. I went Inspire. to Inspire. Oh, for at least Inspire. And oh, um, there you go. You do. I'd go and I'd be sobbing on the mat. So obviously it was just. I think for me it was just a matter of time. You just um, my, my dog. So Manny helped me a lot. Yeah. And after my son's friend passed away I think your friend's son my friend's son yeah I was inconsolable for a while because I had I have young children and all of us were I I don't think there was anything you could say that for me there was no chura upper mm. at that time it was a matter of just being there for her as best I could and um all of us friends talking about it together mm. and look thinking how we could help her Okay. And how how was that? Was it because my brother my brother Danny was saying that he's not a very emotional person, so his was practical help. Let me go to the shops for you. Do you need your car taken in to get petrol or something? Like well, how did no, you know, well we that? all did all of those things at the initial, but then she based herself in the in London because mm. her older children were then at school there. Mm. So I actually didn't see her. And when I did see her on my trips, it was very difficult. I think, to be fair, I think perhaps she needed to in, to immerse herself in a new friendship group for a while, okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that was intentional, but I think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're still very close now. Nice. But I do think that there was a period where she needed to do what she needed to do. Because if you look at my face... It was written all over my face. I have that. I'm that person. I see. If I'm not happy, you'll know. Mm. And I, tr- I'm, I, I don't have a, a, a game face mm. really. And I just, I think that was too much for her. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. So she's removed herself from the situation. A bit. Ultimately. A bit. Can I ask why you felt the need and you knew that you needed to remove alcohol from a kind of a grief situation i think alcohol works while you're you're having a nice drink in the evening but i think it is a depressant it's Mm. the neck you know it would you need a clear i need a clear head in situations of immense stress so say now i haven't been drinking for six months through the pandemic i thought you honestly sorry i thought honestly thought you were gonna say i haven't had been drinking this morning and i was like (laughs) I, I was I was about to say okay congratulations like, I didn't know what to do then I honestly didn't know what to that say that is actually hilarious I haven't had a drink since 9am I'm doing really well it's 3 o'clock I'm so sorry so I haven't had a drink for 6 months and why do I, I oh I feel the need because I alcohol for me is a fun happy yeah sociable thing but if you're starting to hit the bottle at home Mm. I think it's a slippery slope Mm. and I need to have my clear head to be able to help everyone else so you know in the pandemic it was my it was my husband my children getting them back and it was like right I need to say right get your ducks in a row and I you don't need me to be 
you know, you 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 beha- I behave differently. We all do when you drink. Yeah. Whatever way that is. Yeah. If you're in a good mood, you you're happy. If you're not, you can mm. get angry. You can get sad. Oh my god, it's another it's another JW. Go, not today, thank you. So anyway, yeah, so I remove booze when I feel it's going to be a tough period. Mm. And it's just my mechanism of coping. So I'm, you know, I always eat well and so that I'm on top form to cope. It's like going into battle, I guess. That's yeah. how I look at it a bit. But it is a, that is a really good way of looking at it because I think a lot of people... Do the opposite. Absolutely. Yeah. I, to be honest, in the, at the beginning, I did have a good go. <laughs> You know when it was announced, I was like, I, honestly, I was like straight in the thing, the, the shop that's open here. I got stocked up. It was so funny. I, I think everyone did, didn't they, before I, lockdown? I, I prepared for an apocalypse. Yeah. You know, the fridge, The fr- I was that sad person. And um, within about two months, I said, well, this isn't going well, is it? Because oh, this no. is going to go on. I could see it was going to yeah. go on and on and on. I said, right, that's it. Everyone sobered up. All, you know, yeah. So, so I was doing the... The, the Marmite and the Coleman's muscles, thank God, because Coleman's went out, and I, mostly because it was in my kitchen. <gasps> I had like How funny that that 15 was your... jars of Coleman's. You can't have a ham sandwich without Coleman's muscle or any, or uh, I cheese sauce. So pasta cheese sauce. This is the most bizarre conversation I think I've ever oh, had. Oh no, so Coleman's muscles. So you're locked down. Be- you're locked down. I'm like, go to. All the imported goods, bestow and oh yeah, yeah, and I was like, okay, and Nutella. No, the kids can't survive without Nutella. <laughs> and, and I say kids, that's me with right, the pancake. Okay. Oh my crap. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I. Uh, so that I is removed, the most first world problem. Moving the booze thing yeah. I've ever had. Thank you for for being so open because that is quite an, an horrific period of time I think because it was five years ago I don't know if I'd have been able to put it so but so straightforwardly maybe before, no for sure it was it's 2015-2016 yeah and you know all of those instances appear in my life you know mm. some days I'll mm. think partic- particularly my sisters and my friends son as well um you know you'll remember time like it was it was t- it, you know it it will stay with me for, of course. forever but yeah. um you you find oh, so so now i mean you're asking how we cope now it's more my so i've got cats now which is a bit unlike me oh really yeah so i have manny okay. and then recently now with the pandemic there's been a lot of cats that have been homeless as it were in don't Dubai. because i can't look at another rescue group because okay. i swear i'm so going to turn into been, that lady yeah so I, I did turn into that lady and i'm not a cat person no. so i'm a dog person me either so i got one stray cat nyla who was found on kite peach mm-hmm and she's the feist. i think she's me and a cat or my son in <laughs> a cat because she's very feisty dripping in chanel <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she was on my little accessory covered earlier. She's so much. Anyway, so I got Nyla, and then I got another cat, a tripod. Okay, oh. So he'd had a terrible time, mm. and I rescued him. Oh, he sadly died. Oh no. Yeah. So, he, so he was my cat, McQueen. I fell in love. Fell in love. Actually, yeah, he was. Uh, before the other two no he was at, he was at, he was the fourth cat I absolutely now I was supposed to foster him because he was coming to the, going to the UK oh. but you go you can't travel after an op yeah I I don't know that cat and I it was love at first sight I looked after him he was very unwell and one day he was not breathing right and I took him to the vet thinking oh we you know just get him 
IV mm, or something. Mm, mm. I went with my son. He said he's got FIP. Now, I didn't know what FIP... Do you know what FIP... I'm not ne- a clue. Never heard of it, but it's quite common. In cats? Yes. Okay. It's their cold. Okay. Flu cold. Okay. Which most cats can fight, mm-hmm. and they all have it. Mm. But he was unwell with his... He just had a leg removed. Mm-hmm. And they said we have to put him down. You can you can take him... You can We can keep emptying his lungs, but it'll be... Per- we have to put him down. Again, inconsolable, and I don't honestly didn't like cats. To be honest, recently, it's a I, mm. I, not that I didn't like them. I honestly, it's as if you'd said I had my arm amputated. <laughs> I was so upset. About, I couldn't. I couldn't go and be with him when they injected him. I couldn't. I said because I knew they had to do it. Yeah. But if I was there, I would have said no. Don't Absolutely do it. Not. So my son went. He's very brave. He went up there and he was with him for a bit, but he came down before the injection because he said no as well. And you know the nurses were—I'm not—were in tears. They, there was something about that cat, and she—and I went and picked up his ashes recently, and she said they all were grieving him for a while. We don't know why, and it's because of McQueen that I have now an absolute love, and a, I, I love my cat so mm. much. So he, I feel like he came to put his little magic potion on me. Oh. And turn me into the biggest cat liver. Anyway, so after he... I've got one more now to replace... So the limit, obviously. Michael okay. still wanted to kill me. Did Michael make you? He, no, he did. He was he, he loves the cat. Yeah. But he didn't want any more. So I've now got um, uh, Momo to replace McQueen. But, you know, nothing's my McQueen. Oh, that's so I've rescued four. How long did you have McQueen for? Two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. Two... The love affair was... it. I can't tell you how strongly I felt about Cat. Within, we went to see him. I, he was on me. I fell in love with him. I said he's coming back with me. And then the rescue, the the foster parents. I said, can I keep? Him? I said yes, it's fine. Don't worry because they were going to take him to the UK and give him to some another. Family. It doesn't matter. He'd stay without having the trauma of flying. Mm. I said foster fail. It's a thing, right? A foster fail. Yeah. I didn't know that. And um, they were all devastated. I mean, I wanted to then start fostering and Michael said no for that reason. And then I said, well, let's put them in. I have a staff house outside. Of Can course I put, you do. As you With do. With your Coleman's mustard. With, actually, my mustard is stored there. So I was like, look, look we'll just put them in the maid's room. Because she's, she's, now I have a day girl coming in. And, you know, we can turn that into... <laughs> All a, of these things are not getting better, you know. I know. I, I, no, it's not. I'm sounding very Dubai diva. And I was like, no, no, we can put at least 20 in there. And then like they can be indoor, cats, outdoor not cats. not day girls. Not day girls, right. just cats. <laughs> and um, all I could do is put biscuits out. And then he's like, no. But he said no. We did have a few weeks of screaming, hitting, hissing mm. and slapping. Yeah. So I thought it wasn't going to work. And I actually thought we might have to remove Momo, the last one. Oh. But it's calmed down now. But yeah, you can't. If I think the window's now closed because when they get older, that is it. And I didn't know that either. Yeah, you have to uh, introduce them through doors and doors all there. But I think either, like apparently they either like it? each other or they don't. And you can have years of of, of slapping. So anyway, my my anyway, four is enough. Chance will be fine. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know it was that kind of podcast. <laughs> it is now. So after the slapping, anyway. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm done. And then now I realise actually it's quite a lot of work. The litter alone. They're so funny. The cats. Now that's interesting because I asked you for an Instagram account recommendation because each episode I recommend an Instagram account that makes me happy or puts a smile on my face or whatever. And it could be inspirational quotes or 
just lovely other kind of grief relief Instagram accounts. And what did you say to me? Well, I said my own. No, I I thought, <laughs> I've got, I have got a cat Instagram account, but, and I hope it's funny, but other cats, like cats of Instagram or yeah. dogs of Instagram, yeah. those sites are so hilarious and they just take they transport you to another place where it's all it's just fun yeah and i love that that take you know oh it's that all reality tv isn't it but yeah but you're right and there was wasn't there like some science behind the fact that you should apparently watch videos of penguins at least once a day it's a stress relief because they're like little like little Charlie Chaplin's, they're like little humans, Who's aren't they? Who's had the they? drink this morning? Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Who's had the drink this morning? It's true. Is it? Apparently. Penguins? Penguins. Because you watch them because they're so funny. Pets, I think pets are yeah. a great stress relief. They are. I'd like to get a giraffe, but it won't <laughs> fit in the garden. Maybe try the penguin first. I don't you see my face? I was like genuinely thinking how you, you know, in Ace Ventura when he has it come out of the I freezer. I love that, by the way. I love that film. <sighs> yes, Satan. I had an email last week uh, and I, I never like saying the names, even though people don't ask to be anonymous all the time. But I just think sometimes the subject of the podcast is so sensitive that I never like to, to say names. But it was after episode four, which came out last week with my sister-in-law, Stacey. So the email says, and if you ever want to email, by the way, it's thatgriefreliefpodcast at gmail.com. I remembered to actually say it this mm-hmm. time. It says, I lost my mum three and a half years ago from cancer. My God, cancer. Like, ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I lost my mum three and a half years ago from cancer and it hit me really hard for more than I ever imagined after her diagnosis. And I just wanted to say how much your podcast helps. It brings back memories as I can relate to the stories you tell and I sit there smiling about those things which normally might have upset me to think about. Mm. I thought at this point I was past a lot of healing. I didn't get on too well with counselling or anything like that and it actually put a huge strain on my relationship with my dad. But I feel if I'd have listened to your podcast soon after my mum passed, it would have made such a huge impact on me. Even now, years later, it still makes me feel better and adds to the healing. Mm. I've always been the same with being lighthearted and joking about it and on occasions even making people cry joking about having a dead mum so it's nice to see others uh, the same that Mm. I can laugh along with Mm. I don't want to ramble on I could be here all day you're doing an amazing job bringing the topic to light the light-hearted open approach is exactly Mm. what's needed for such a serious subject keep Mm. doing what you're doing oh that's so nice well lovely I mean someone took the time out of their day to tell you that you're you're helping yeah and and actually and I know I touch on this every time but it's purely because if you are listening I do I I want you to reach out because Mm -mm. That email is one of those times where I think if I have literally helped that one person, only one, and that wasn't the 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 point of it, no, then I I can die a happy woman. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's not talked about enough, maybe in the UK anyway. No, actually, a lot's not talked about in the UK enough at school. Like what? I think. Well, having teenage sons, I mean, Mm. internet, social media talks, guidance on. The world's not as it was when I was at school, so why is the curriculum not really adjusted? I think there needs to be a lot more talk and grief as well for, yeah. for kids. I mean, is it even that's not spoken about at school? No, I mean there are the counsellors and there are, there are, yeah. But then you have to sort of put your hand up to go to one. Mm. Whereas it'd be nice if it was somehow in the curriculum. Mm, mm, how to deal with things like that. I mean, I just always think about the fact that I am so lucky social media and video phones were not out when I was drinking in the, I do in the too, bandstand actually, in battle. I do. There's a lot that 
I'm grateful isn't. There's now. a lot that happened for me in Bottle Alley on Hastings Sea. I was with you in Bottle Alley somewhere. <laughs> there was a variation of it in London and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> on that note, um, Nicole, thank you so oh, much. Thank you for having me. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's going to be like three hours long. We're not we too bad. We could have gone off on so many different subjects there. We could have. And it, it sounds like this is the problem with all of my guests. It's like we Nicole's going to be back. That is. Oh, I'm so Nicole's definitely going to be but back. But I hope that we have if anyone has heard anything from there I, I i don't know how but i hope that someone has i mean we, we touched something. on so much and i'd like to think that there would be so yeah absolutely if you if you are listening and if you've been affected by anything that we've spoken about today or if if you even just want to reach out and tell us your story we would love to hear it and of course i'll pass it on to nicole or mm. nicole will be be tagged on the account as well but you can reach out to me on instagram at that grief relief podcast or mm. on twitter at grief relief pod and i'll say the email again oh i'll just take a big deep breath there it's that grief relief podcast at gmail.com and as usual like subscribe follow hit five stars i'll try and get the youtube (laughs) up at the same time as the podcast thank you very much for listening nicole thank you thank you for having me i i hope that that's helped somebody it will have i promise you it will have is it time for cupcakes we need them we need a bit of sugar after that (laughs) no yeah thanks for listening love you bye 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 thank you